0: This is The Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy, Season 1, Episode 3, Part
1: 1. Uh, let's start this off. So, uh, My name is Raphael Haman. I am with my podcast group, The Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy, and we are doing an interview with Ben Galley. We Thank you so much for, for meeting with us today.
2: My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me.
1: Thank it's great you. to chat to you. Yeah, it's great. And you, you're right now you're in the UK, right?
2: No, I'm actually in
1: Canada. Canada <laughs> in Canada, in uh, Canada.
2: Pacific Canada in uh, Victoria.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Is it snowing a lot right now? Or? Uh,
2: a little bit. We had some, it uh, was two weeks ago now, we had some snow. It's all just dried up. There's one stubborn patch
1: of snow outside my building, which just <laughs> refuses <us> to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm going to start off by asking you some some basic questions to kind of have the audience and us as authors uh, know who you are a little bit. So uh, what, how old were you when you started writing? Um, yeah, when I was starting, I uh, first started out when I was yeah, 10 or 11, kind of writing full-on books or least
0: trying to I went back through them a couple of uh, about a year ago and they are just dreadful <laughs> as you'd expect right right, <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> uh, well, but yeah that's when I started and I took a couple of years off um, after doing two three books um, which was a series kind of very inspired by Red Hall and Brian Jackson Brian Jakes, I've never been sure how to say his he's second.
1: my he is my favorite author He's oh, my absolutely favorite author.
2: <laughs> How do you say it? Is it Jake's or Jack's? Jacques, I believe. Jacques, I like that. I'll okay. yeah. <laughs> we'll go with that. So yeah, it um, was very inspired by Red Bull, but it was um, based on uh, monkeys in India. It's a very anthropomorphized. Um, swords, wars, things. It's quite weird. That's um, awesome. but Yeah, that inspired me. And it kind of gave me a good foundation for going ahead. And once I got back into writing in kind of 2008, 2009, after I had been to uh, university and studied music, I just thought, right, I'm going to get back into epic fantasy. Um, it got yeah really inspired by a couple of books I was reading at the time, and just yeah delved into it. And that was the Amnesia series, which I published the first one out of in
1: 2010. Wow. Well, so, so you you like Redwall, you. No right you 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 play music, you understand music, and you write epic fantasy. I want to be your best friend <laughs> this is awesome life <laughs> it 's so funny i 've talked to so many people about about uh, Brian Jax and Redwell, and uh, half the people don 't don 't know who he is and i 'm like, oh, this, is, this is I wish I knew more people so um anyways, so you, you started writing when you were eleven ten eleven twelve years old. And as you delved deeper into the writing industry and you you eventually self-published that, uh, your first book series, um, how was that experience for you? Were you just throwing your books out there or did you have a set plan? It it was stressful. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think initially it was, I had the,
2: well, I did have the initial plan of going traditional uh, because I didn't really know at that point um, you know, around 2008, 2009, I started my research. I didn't know at that point that there was self-publishing uh, around. I mean, I knew there were forms of it, vanity publishing. I knew that, uh, you know, if uh, if anything, this kind of self-publishing thing was incredibly hard and kind of inaccessible, really. So um, I, I initially started researching agents and things like that. And uh, the wonderful <laughs> nature of Google kept suggesting things by... Um, I will say a terrible company (laughs) called (laughs) Author House, um, which Mm. uh, many authors have come across I'm not going to get into that side of things just yet, but they they kind of educated me into the packages that were available and the ways of self-publishing. And so kind of a bit suspicious about this kind of one-stop shop, I decided to see if I could compartmentalize or at least uh, split apart their process and kind of handle each section of it myself as kind of a project manager. Uh, which kind of suited me, kind of coming from the indie music background or at least independent artist background. And it just yeah, seemed to fall into place. And I realized I could get it done kind of cheaper than the packages they were offering as well and really take her into control and just uh, have every aspect, you know, kind of at my fingertips. Right. <laughs> it's quite useful. But it took a long time for me to build up the research to get kind of through all the jargon, which there was a lot of, and, uh, you know, to kind of essentially figure it out. And, you know, I'm still learning, and, you know, everyone's still learning. <laughs> but yeah, at first it was quite confusing, and then slowly but surely it started to make sense. And then, you know, without trying to make it sound too kind of um, too epic, <laughs> yeah. you know, I suddenly saw this, or I suddenly saw this you know, beautiful path, <laughs> you know, glowing path before me kind of through to this industry or through to the market. And I decided to, yeah, jump in and give it a go. And yeah, did uh, did a lot of learning on the first book, made quite a few mistakes, can really pay for an editor on it. Uh, was I was working? working at the time a pasty kiosk selling <laughs> so like little pies in a train station so that was fun <laughs> on so my minimum wage I could really afford an editor so I tried right. to use beta readers as, as, as best I could and that kind of did a lot of the work uh-huh. and, Yeah, learned that lesson about quality and professionalism real quickly <laughs> you're right and, um, and yeah just uh, worked from there essentially so Power Kings came out a year after that and that taught me a few more lessons and it then kind of came into a uh, basically what I call the shelf-help method, which is what I teach to authors, and that is kind of my way of of going through it. It's kind of more or less become, I wouldn't say my method has, but I think self-publishing as a whole industry has settled down to roughly essentially what I kind of came up with (laughs) and what a lot of other authors came up with at the same time, which is that project manager
1: approach, which is, yeah, the kind of true spirit of indie publishing. Well, um, back then when you first started that, that was fairly new to self-publish, online and yeah. <laughs> so you, you're you're a pioneer uh, of, of that that's that's impressive i
2: would i would i'd like that i'm gonna say <laughs> i'm gonna say i like pioneer but uh, yeah i mean i definitely wasn't the first i mean you could you could be very arbitrary about it and go back and say people like mark twain or virginia waltz right or right <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the you know the modern age of self-publishing yeah i mean the really early adopters were you know, a couple of years before me when KDP launched in 2007. Right. You know, suddenly you know, we all had this access to the same markets as the traditional publishing. So, I mean, that was the real kind of change. And I think you know, I was definitely one of the early adopters and definitely one of the first, uh, I, I would hope, <laughs> you know, one of the f- uh,
1: first major proponents, especially in the UK, for self publishing and, and this kind of method of avoiding packages and vanity publishing and you going your own way. That's um you you know it's I am ex- personally extremely impressed because, uh you've stuck through with it for many years, and I have self published myself and it is difficult, um, because you have to dedicate a huge portion of your day which you, you would rather spend writing you end up dedicating to that towards marketing and making sure that people remember who you are.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. trying to be very, very strict with the, the amount of time that I spend on certain things, so writing will always come first. I mean, I've got emails right. sort of busting out my inbox at the moment that I need to get back to at some point this weekend, uh, but the writing comes first. I mean, that's, you know, what the true deadline, and kind of the only real deadline I try to commit to, anything to do with writing or producing you know, fiction in general, short stories, whatever I'm working on. Um, that will be the one that I'll set a deadline for. Things like Facebook ads and, I don't know, vlogs, they all kind of slip over days, maybe weeks sometimes if it's a task I'm not really interested in, but I know I need to do. Things like expense reports or uh, tracking clicks and revenue and spreadsheets and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, those those are the things that will move and are kind of fluid, but the writing will always come first and and essentially uh, take up 60 to 70% of my day. Um, wow. a good day. Obviously <laughs> things change. Certain days are on certain different projects or would say emergencies, but urgent things that pop into the inbox and just you know sudden opportunities arriving, you know, things like that. So yeah. But as long as I make the effort, you know, to put you know writing first, I, I find myself being very
1: writing centric and getting the workout done. So that's you, awesome. So sixty to seventy percent of your day? That's that's impressive. Yeah, I try and work eight to nine hours a day on average. Um much to
2: the, <laughs> the my girlfriend never sees me even though we just share this <laughs> just, <laughs> she, uh, she's like working again yeah and it's just I mean it does take that but it's also part of session I wouldn't recommend it to anyone and I don't recommend it to my clients whether mm-hmm. um, the authors that I work with through shelf help because not everyone can well I, I do think you can learn to do it I mean yeah not everyone has the capacity to do it but also the people that do can't just start off like that you kind of have to ease into it and build up and learn, you know, it's, it's like running a business. Um, I mean, it is, run- it, <laughs> it is, is running yeah, a it is. Um, you have to learn and kind of grow and develop, you know, what, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So I'm not one of these people that can spend all day on social media uh, or, uh, you know, all day sort of marketing and then kind of write in little chunks in the evening. I'm, yeah, I'm writing first and then because <laughs> I find myself lagging. Uh, throughout the day, you know, something at nap becomes a really good idea around
0: two. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I like that a lot better um, yeah. than, I, you know, I've heard before people talk about, oh, yeah, I spend 70, 80% of my time marketing. Marketing, yeah. And I'm just like, I, it's good to hear, you know, from somebody who's been
1: Who's successful, successful in, in the industry. <laughs> See, that. You didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, it does take a. Deal, well, it does
2: take a different turn around launch time. So, for instance, over the next couple of weeks, I'll be um, you know, uh, ramping up the the Breaking Chaos launch. So, I will find that that uh, sixty to seventy percent can shrink. And even though I don't want it to, I'm still obviously getting it done. Even if, for instance, I'm get an hour, uh, and it's you know twenty percent of my time during the day, I've still put it first. So, it's kind of like the the organisation of the day as well. But yeah, usually I'd say if I work five days a week. I'll probably manage that three to four days and there might be one where I kind of push it and yeah, do spend a, a lot of time on marketing. But it's something that, you know, like ads are kind of set and then leave for two weeks, So kind of be chunkier jobs really. Yeah. And, but yeah, a lot of people will market all the time and it's it's great. But let's say you, you launch your one book and you spend a year marketing, that's great, but then you're not generating, you know, as much revenue as you could. Uh, by generating or by creating a second book and having read through, and also you know double the amount of uh, sale opportunity, double the amount of content that you can put out there, things like that. So it just makes more sense to me putting more product on the shelves rather than driving you know,
0: people to the shelves. Obviously both very very important, but I think the first one takes precedence. I think I've heard that before, yeah. and I really and I really like that because why do we want to do this? Is because we want to write books, and so if one of the best things you can do for
1: marketing is. Write another book. Right, right. Places. You can have your cake and eat it too. Well, especially when you're first starting off, as, as a self-published writer, you need to put a lot of content out there. That's the best way for people to get to know you. Um, you'll develop natural fan growth. As you write more and that's something that I've kind of learned a little bit the hard way um, so I write epic fantasy and my books tend to be very lengthy and so it takes a long time to do them to properly to revise them and edit them but in that process if I was a bit faster I could have potentially double the fan base if I you know just had more content out there but um, going going off of what we've been talking about um, what sets apart an author who will make it big, a self-published author, or an uh, author that's just barely starting out in the tra- traditional published route. Um, in your opinion, what sets apart an author who will make it big from one who will never really achieve much? Mm, oh, a, that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs>
2: There's so many different facets and different kind of uh, differentiating factors that could kind of, uh, kind of, I don't know, change the outcome of either of them. But I think if you were kind of just to
1: simplify it then, Mm. <laughs> Hang on, read me the question one more time because I want to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I asked, uh, so what sets apart an author, self-published or traditionally published, uh, who will make it big from someone who will never really achieve much?
2: Okay. If your idea of success is, let's say, bestseller, you, know, um, you want to be generating your income, whichever one thing you want, because that's the thing that kind of looks different as well, you can be generating the income but without being a bestseller. Or you can be a bestseller without actually generating a lot of income, right. uh, depending on the deals you might have in the background with traditional publishing and things like that. But let's say your success is to kind of be, you know, bestseller and kind of making income. So you know, successful, you might say, uh, author, uh, professional, sorry, uh, author. So if you're talking about that, I think what sets uh, a person who gets to that level and a person who fails, well, fails, doesn't get to that level for whatever reason. Um, I think is professionalism. <laughs> I'm kind of dodging around between a few different things, but I think professionalism would kind of win it um, because it's, uh, it's, it really, really sets people apart. And you'll find that a lot of people will come into the industry, uh, and even before they've actually launched a book, kind of, their future will be kind of decided on the level of professionalism, professionalism they've decided to go with on the book. So you know, kind of, it's like building a, building a house. And if you kind of use, uh, you know, crap foundation, <laughs> chances are your house might fall down, you know, a lot easier. And so, you know, it, it's not going to be successful. So I think, you know, people that take professionalism really seriously and focus on the cover, the editing, the formatting, and also the way that they put the book out there. They think about the business aspects and they make sure everything's, you know, all your categories are well-researched, your keywords are well-researched, blurb-optimized, and they approach it like a business, like a profession. You'll find that those people will see a lot more success than the people who just kind of don't think about that and put it out or forget to think about that. Um, the good thing about self publishing is you can always go back and change it. <laughs> like right, I did right. It on, my, on my first book. So you can learn professionalism, mm-hmm. but the people who get out the gate at a certain level and will only build from there without trying to catch up or get there in the first place will see a lot more success. Um, and we'll probably have a better chance of getting up to the, that kind of level of, you know, maybe six figures a year, sort of uh, level, that sort of thing. So,
1: yeah. I really like that analogy of comparing it to a house and having a good foundation. That's that's actually really awesome. I love that. Um, do you guys have any questions so far? Before I I, I move on to to some um, of the other questions. Well, I just kind of have a a comment. It made me think about talking about that professionalism.
0: Um, oh. f- fantasy, in sci-fi, attracts. A lot of different kinds of people. <laughs> you're, you're laughing and yeah. nodding your head. Um, and, uh, like, I think about my brother, who, you know, bless his heart, and he wants to write, and he's always asking me about, hey, how can I, you know, submit agents and stuff? And uh, he's got high-functioning autism, which doesn't mean he's never going to be a writer, but there's just, a, like, a level of social interaction and things like that and social cues that he's probably never going to get. So, and I mean, I mean, that's just on the kind of the disability side, but just some people in general just bless their hearts. They're just weird. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, true, yeah. <laughs> and I really mean blessing, and I'm
1: weird too. You, you, Thomas. You <laughs> looked, that. you looked at me. You looked at me specifically when you said that. So, so oh, oh, you were looking at me. So, you know, <laughs> in the of the
0: but uh, yeah. So I think just that ability to be for for you know a publisher or somebody to look at you and be like, oh, this is a, a rational, sane human being who knows what they're talking about.
1: Well, then you get, you get the horror stories from, from agents who get yeah. these queries. Oh, my uh, Well, God. the person will say, um, Well, I spoke to God Himself, and He told me that I needed to write this book. Or, To a
2: couple of authors like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but actually, talking about agents, um, you just recently got an agent.
2: I did? Yes, indeed, yeah.
1: Congratulations, first of all. That is awesome. Um, are you planning to be a hybrid author that works both self published and traditional?
2: Yes, essentially, is my plan. I mean, I there are obviously ways you can put you know, different authors into camps and things like that and see you know, traditional authors, uh, self-publishing authors and hybrid authors. I'm just thinking I just kind of want to be even a hybrid of all those three. <laughs> so, I don't know, to me, it's always about, um, it's not like I don't prefer to label things, but I just think the ease, I mean, my kind of driving factor is the uh, whatever is best for my books, I will chase or I will go after. So, for instance, the... A book contract with Chasing Graves. You know, I wrote you know, when you write a trilogy, even just a book, you have all these rights that you can leverage and sell to different types of people. Right. So, you know, audiobooks was the first priority there. With John, he's going to help me, you know, access, uh, you know, other markets that I don't have the abilities to access like I did with the audiobooks. So, right. yeah, it's just, um, even if it didn't come to anything, you know, God forbid, I'm sure, you know, John's an absolute hero and has seen plenty of success in the past. So I'm, I'm really excited. Um, to see what could happen, um, but I think you know it's even if nothing comes of it, it's um, I'm still going to be very happy being a self-published author because <laughs> it's still you know uh, let's say those deals might not be right for my book, self-publishing and sticking with that might be. So wherever the kind of the sort of the winds of success <laughs> lead, um, that's you where know, you'll and sail. Books, yeah, <laughs> more people and get some enjoying it and reading it, then I'm happy. I mean, yes, I'm. I'm motivated by income and finance, you know, I'm want to right. make it, I'm not going to be shy about that and say, you know, well, it's all about the art. <laughs> <laughs> I see, you know, as many zeros on my yeah, royalty journey. Right, as right. <laughs> <laughs> I am also driven by, you know, I would say probably more so than the money, um, by the just the, the love of the genre and just having the reactions, even just little tiny notes of people just being like, I really like this one, like that will make my... A week, <laughs> you know, so that's that's kind of the, yeah, it is the love for the art for me, but I'm not going to be doing it at a cost to myself. I want to get paid for my art. Best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, when when you first
1: uh, self published and you you got your first uh, your first fan, um, and your first comment on on your works or your series, and it was a great comment. Uh, how, how did that? How? What was your reaction to that?
2: Um, it, pretty overjoyed to be honest. It is a fantastic feeling. Um, you know, just that moment where your first book goes out onto the store and you get your first review from someone that you haven't either paid, um, <laughs> <laughs> grew up with, or I don't know,
1: whatever else. So you're, you're it's right. not your mother or your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and you get it, this genuine review, and it's just, it is it's is incredibly encouraging, i tell you that much. If, you know, as much as uh, you know as much confusion and kind of doubt that is natural when you come to self-publish or you come to publish in general um, that can really just <laughs> make it dissolve which is really really useful for when you're kind of, you know, starting out and you want to go on to book two right. and three so it's it's beautiful from that perspective um, and it was just yeah, a proud moment and it's just I would say kind of inspiring as well. It just makes you want to get more and more and more. A little bit like a drug. You get you I like that. So, yeah, but you, can, you can't help but chase it. Um, not I wouldn't say in a kind of uh, egotistical way, but it's it's a good feeling and it kind of lets you know you succeeded um, and that you, know, you brighten that person's day and you've you've told your story to one person. And I'd set out with the initial goal of, of saying that, if I could just change one person's day or give someone, you know, a real, you know, uh, interesting read for a couple of days or something like that, I've succeeded. And I will, if that's it, <laughs> you know, I'll pack away the self-punishing game and be happy with it. So yeah, getting that kind of stuff first initial was always uh, feedback was me achieving my goal. And after that, I was like, right, still a million of those. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's, all, that's my next goal.
0: Yeah. That concludes part one of episode three. We'll see you next time.